when I found you. I saw raw, untamed power. And beyond that, something truly special. Hello, and welcome back to another edition of The Substandard, sponsored by Casper Mattress. I'm Victor Mattis, along with Sonny Bunch and Jonathan V. Last. I'd like to remind you The Substandard is available on iTunes, Google Play, and Stitcher. Just look at our podcast and search for The Substandard. You'll easily find us. Please subscribe, tell your friends, and leave a review. Gentlemen, how are we doing? We're great. I think we're going to get right into it. Uh, what episode me, is today? Oh, my gosh. Uh, do you have something for the week? I do. We, I all right, do, tell I do, us. I do, because we just can't get into it. Get uh, into yeah, it. Come you got to do a little foreplay. A little, a little gotta bit. Come get, on. Got to get, get, get the out. juices gotta flowing. T- <laughs> you got to, right? <laughs> wow. Yes. That's right. Oh, gosh. All right. All right. Let's start over We're not starting over JVL Minute 41. Okay. Um uh, we, it's okay. I have lots of time today. We had we recently had so we recently had uh, the the winter concert. They call it the winter concert at my uh, at my kid's school. It's the fourth grade. My son does a thing, and they do a thing. So he's in the fourth grade. They have a, they make you do a fourth grade chorus, right? Fourth grade chorus, uh, and uh, one of the songs they sang was "Believe" from Polar Express. You know this song, uh, JVL. Enjoying your bourbon. I hate that movie. Uh, yeah, do you, and it was, uh, it was that was sunny by the way. That, yes, not JBL. JBL right. shuddering from the bourbon from the delicious, yes, the delicious oh, statesman please. bourbon that uh, the substandard expanded universe brought in for Thank us you. today. And he wanted. And Jonathan asked. Jonathan, times, how asked come I don't for get any? Jonathan, how come you don't share any with me? I'm participating like a big boy. <laughs> anyway, I'm imagining uh, JBL. Your wife probably likes. The song "Believe" because I believe it was first done by Josh Groban, perhaps one of her favorites. Groban, I saw guilty pleasure. Let's YouTube. not say it's a favorite, yes. but yes. So uh, you know, the opening line of uh, "Believe" is "Children sleeping, snow is softly falling, dreams are calling." But apparently, some of the fourth graders have been uh, rewriting the lyrics. So all throughout the school, they're saying "Children sleeping, Pennywise is watching, screams are calling." Yes. <laughs> Jeez, it's dark. <laughs> in fourth grade. In fourth grade. So apparently it's like because somebody saw the commercial. Did you see this commercial because about a show Vic, with a scary clown? Because Vic actually took the entire class out to see it for uh, and then I said, Kids, as a Christmas present. If you like, early Christmas if you like Jingle Bells, Batman Smells, I'm going to write a special one for you. He sent Blu-rays of <laughs> it to every every house. This is why my kids are in private school. Oh, my gosh. Okay, so, uh, but you know what? And, they, and Michael said, oh, you're really going to like it. He said, our, our teacher... Uh, actually cried at the end. I said, what are you talking about? So we just sit through this thing, and they sing the song, but, you know, God's honest truth. You know, Kate and I got uh, a little teary-eyed when you're watching these kids. It's, you know, they're so young. It's like this precious moment where they're at this age, they're innocent, but time goes so fast. Ask me how fast. How fast, how fast does it Vic? go, Vic? Like, like light speed. Speaking of light speed, over the weekend, Star Wars The Last Jedi did $220 million, <clears throat> followed by Ferdinand with $13 million, Coco at 10 and yes, as we predicted, Wonder is now in fourth with $5.4 million ahead of Justice League, which <laughs> came in fifth place with $4 million. What is Justice League's total now? Did ju- has Justice League all, grossed? All you keep just, talking. I'm yeah. pretty sure Justice League has grossed less in its entire run thus far than Star Wars did in its opening weekend. That's that's off one. I saw that, and I know it's been around for a few weeks already. Fine, but, you know. Four. 219. Yeah. Justice League has done 219, 595, putting yeah. it literally $400,000 behind right. what Star Wars <laughs> so, did. And I would assume that by the time Tuesday's grosses are final, Star Wars uh, The Last Jedi will gross more in its first four days domestically than... Justice League does in its entire run domestically. Yep. yep. And I believe the, it, it fell by like another 56% or yeah. something like that. Justice League did over the weekend. So, of course, we all saw The Last Jedi. All of us? All saw all four of us? Maybe. Come on in. Gene! Gene! I wish I could do the Lucille Bluth. Gene! Gene Parmesan. Gene Parmesan. That was great. That was great. That's it. That was great. In Star Wars, The Last Jedi, the First Order is hunting down the rebels. But where are they going? What are they doing? 
Talk about rebels without a cause. Still, there are some stellar performances. Mark Hamill isn't just serious. He's a joker, too. Are we to trust Benicio Del Toro? He's not your usual suspect. And Carrie Fisher performed some death-defying acts. Uh, Uh, What? What did I say? There's a lot of tension between Ray and Kylo Ren. Notice how she's always trying to grab his lightsaber. But I guess the real hero of this movie is BB-8. What can't that droid do? It repairs things and at one point blows a bunch of things up. Talk about droid rage. My favorite part of the movie, the porks. I can't wait to see these cuddly critters in their own movie. You could simply call it Critters. Or Porgies 2 the next day. Or Porgies Revenge. But I have to admit, the porg that Chewbacca roasts and almost eats looked pretty good to me. I guess you can say porg is the other white meat. I give Star Wars The Last Jedi three stars. Merry Christmas, everybody. Th- th- three? Three stars. We should just Gene, give this is everyone your first ever three star review. Boy, this wow. movie must have blown. So here we need to we need to be very clear going forward. Spoilers ahead. Yes. If you are if you've not seen it, if you don't want to be have your experience ruined. No, well, quote unquote ruined. You know, just to, if you don't want to have if you don't want to know what's going to happen in the movie, t- turn off the podcast now. Listen to it later. Download it again. We like extra downloads. The, That's fine. The, the thing I think the reason why my my theory, the reason why uh, Gene only gave it three stars, is he missed parts of the movie. It was so long he had to use the bathroom like you know yeah. seven wow. eight times at his age. You know yeah, he had he's to, old. Uh, yeah, he's, he's old. ninety he's old. something. Yeah, you know, come on. May the force be with your bladder. Uh, so uh, somehow this show, sir, he's going to survive this show. I think. Oh, really? <laughs> that's what it's. That's my guess. So your 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 thoughts now. Where do we begin? Where do you guys want to begin? I have questions, uh, observations, but I really want to hear, Sonny. You want uh, right. to do the review? Sure. Review. Do we, do we well, want a big boy review of this? Do we want a big boy talk about? All right. Yeah, All right. So I mean, because everybody who's Everyone listening who's listening now true. has already watched right. the movie. Let's let's just get into it. Let's get into it. Can we can we start with the first thing that's wrong with it? Sure. The first thing that's wrong with it is the opening crawl. Here's what the purpose of the opening crawl is in a Star Wars movie. It is to explain to you the things that have happened in the time when you haven't been watching Star Wars movies. So the first the interregnum, Star Wars, right? The it's the interregnum. So the the first Star Wars movie sets up the whole universe. The second Star Wars movie, Empire Strikes Back, explains that in between the destruction of the Death Star and the arrival of the Imperial fleet at Hoth, the Empire has been chasing Luke Skywalker around. They're trying to find him. They want, they want, you know, Darth Vader is obsessed. Uh, in between Empire and Return of the Jedi, you know, there's more. Uh, and this continues through the prequels. In the prequels, you have, uh, I, I just happened to stumble on Return of the uh, Revenge of the Sith as I was watching uh, TV this no! weekend. Right at right at right at the opening and in and the first the first in the opening crawl, the first word is war exclamation point and it you know tells you about heroes on both sides and evil is everywhere and it's this weird I remember conservatives being very angry with it at the time because it's this, you know, uh, you know, kind of uh, uh, cultural relativism, you know, we et cetera. Lucas but was just we, beginning to come around to the yeah, correct. to our side. Yeah. Uh, but the the uh, but so anyway, so the whole point of the opening crawl is to set up what has happened while you weren't watching Star Wars. And we get that in The Force Awakens, even though it's kind of nonsensical with its discussion of resistance and New Republic and First Order. And we're like, well, what are, what are they resisting, really? If the, you know, why, why isn't the New Republic just fighting the First Order? Okay, whatever. We, that, that's never addressed, really, and is not in this movie either. The opening crawl here tells us that uh, the First Order reigns that uh, you know, rebels are fleeing. Luke Skywalker needs to relight the spark of hope, et cetera, et cetera. But the problem is, there's no interregnum to discuss. The Last Jedi picks up immediately after the events of The Force Awakens. Yes, the crawl is in this movie. It functions as a recap. previously on. Right, it's it's a recap. So we are we are supposed to believe that in literally the hours between the destruction of the Star Killer base and the evacuation of uh, the Resistance uh, base. The First Order has taken over the whole galaxy. Even though they've lost their most important military weapon. They've lost their most important military weapon. Apparently, they just have other fleets hanging around that uh, Hux Hux and Kylo Ren can get to immediately. 
Uh, which they've bought from the arms dealers. Which they bought. We'll talk we'll, about we'll that. We'll get to that. We'll get to the arms we'll get dealers. To that. Uh, and, the merchants and, of death. And it, it just doesn't really... Basically, all of the events of The Force Awakens and The Last Jedi take place over the course of about seven days. Yeah. yeah. Right? No, I think, that, I, I think I, that's actually right. I mean, and, and, that's, and that is... I, there's no sense of epic scope or scale. It's just like, here are things that's happening to these this people mo- in very right. rapid, rapid this, order. This movie mm. covers, no kidding, seven hours worth of... Uh, about of, about act, it, of movie time about maybe and it feels like hours. seven hours maybe real twenty four hours <laughs> well get to that but anyway so that's the first thing that's wrong with it and it really it it, it, it you know <sighs> there were things about the last Jedi that I really really like uh, yeah, maybe not go crazy. maybe more than JBL maybe more than Vic yeah. I really like the, so. I really like the Kylo Ray Luke stuff me too. Um, and I, I, I think they are trying to do something interesting with the Poe, Leia, Holdo stuff. Um, but the problem is that those two subplots uh, uh, are totally overwhelmed and, and totally broken up and totally made to feel um, uh, just unnatural and unconnected by all the stuff in the middle, which is this sub-prequel awful CGI nonsense featuring Finn and Rose on the casino planet. It's it's so bad it makes the movie that unbearably long and it just it breaks up the actual emotionally resonant parts of the film. And that was sticking the, us with these awful characters who we don't care about. And that was the episode 1 to 3 reference you made earlier. You said there were s- certain scenes in the movie that reminded you of the uh, prequels. Yes, in, in my way. review, in my review I talked about how this this movie mixes kind of the structure. It basically takes the structure of the Empire Strikes Back with a, a few kind of visual references from Return of the Jedi. Uh, and then, and then jams just just really forces in there, so to speak, uh, uh, this kind of prequely subplot that is like sub Star Wars cartoon, sub Attack of the Clones crap. I mean, it's a really, it's a really, it, and again, there are some interesting ideas in it. I like the idea of Benicio del Toro's thief slash hacker. Who is kind of operating in this world of gray? Can I? Do you want to jump in? Well, I was just going to say that I, I hand to God, this is true. I came out of the movie and thought to myself, so who was the actor doing a bad Benicio del Toro impression? <laughs> like, no kidding. It wasn't until I went to IMDb and I was like, mother of God, that's actually Benicio del Toro. He was like a parody of himself. It was what? What is he doing in this? And he's playing a character that's from the Fifth Element. Like that that is not a Star Wars yeah. character. We don't have characters like that in the Star Wars. Wait. Sorry. So anyway, anyway to interrupt. Anyway, uh these are these are my large kind of idea uh things that are wrong with this movie and we can get into more granular detail as we go, but there are there are more, I think you're over I think you're underselling the fundamental problems. Go, go for it. Jail the, the fundamental problem and there are ma- there are many tertiary problems spinning off of that. Fundamental problem is we have two stories being told let me let me let me break down to in their essence what those two stories are there is story a ray is in ireland with luke asking him to train her he refuses she starts facetiming with kylo ray leaves to turn kylo luke decides to destroy ireland and the jedi wills kylo kills snoke ray and kylo go their separate ways luke dies Okay. Okay. This is a story that does not have a ton of action, but it's something. There are three acts to it. There's a beginning and a middle and an end. Okay. The story B, the fleet is in a battle with the First Order. The fleet jumps away, and then the First Order shows up and continues the battle. The fleet does a slow motion retreat. Finn and Rose leave to find a thief who can turn off the First Order tracker. Finn and Rose find the thief. Finn and Rose fail to turn off the First Order tracker. The fleet continues its slow motion retreat. The fleet lands on a planet to continue its battle with the First Order. The First Order lands. The rebels run away. This story, nothing happens in it. Literally, nothing happens in this story. It begins with the rebels running away. It continues with the rebels running away. It ends with the rebels running away. The entire story, which is half of the freaking movie, is nothing but narration running in place. Now, you could, the, the main purpose this serves, I think, is to set up the resistance as something that is actually small and can function as a rebellion as opposed to in the first movie where the resistance is just the army of the new republic. Like there is no reason to think of the resistance as the underdogs in that film, right? The whole point of Star Wars is to think of you have rebel underdogs going up against the great powerful empire. Right. And by the end of this movie, you can fit the entire resistance into the hold of the Millennium Falcon. 
Right. And that, I think, is that's the narrative purpose of it in the terms of the trilogy that we're watching, right? Is to like decimate, strategic is, pr- to, is to yeah. totally destroy the, the idea of the resistance as a military force and to force them into this, this is kind an of hour 15 of screen time given to a story that has no, no I, look, arc. Don't get, don't get me wrong, it's, it's wrong, it's bad. It's it's I bad. Mean, it's it, it, my friend, my it, friend Ali Erikan described it as it's the OJ White Bronco chase. Basically, <laughs> it's the OJ yeah, White Bronco chase for for like fifty minutes of screen time. And you just think that I just look at this and I can't understand how this got made. And part of me wants to immediately jump down Kathleen Kennedy's throat and say, "Oh, this is just Lucasfilm. Look at this; they're too safe." They but they did Rogue One. Rogue One, which people may not love as much as I do, but is a story that takes real risks as as a storytelling contraption and has something to say. And the fact that these two projects were in development simultaneously within the same company, I find mystifying. No? Am I, am I the only one? So Vic, no, no, no. I, I'm shaking my head. Did you, did you I, take Mike? I have Michael and the whole family, all four of us. What did your kids say? Uh, they, well, you know, Sabrina, she's, she's, she's still, you know, she, she liked it. It was long. I kept seeing if they, if anybody needed to go to the bathroom, <laughs> actually didn't. But you know, AMC has Only this did. wonderful, yeah. did you no, just, I didn't actually Did you just want to go? Were you just trying to get somebody to go with you? So you no, could, and, so you you know, could and I didn't, I didn't. I, I, I waited till after the end of the movie, uh, jokes aside, but, uh, but I kept on thinking, okay, it's got to end now. It's got to end now. It's got to end now. And it didn't. And then I looked at the kids, but they were completely reclined and they seemed to be enjoying themselves. And there are moments where I'm sure they were thinking like, what's going on? I talked about, he, Michael got very excited at certain parts. He loved, you know, seeing things that, you know, the, the new AT-AT was a big thing of his. He's hoping to get it for Christmas, the new AT-AT, you know, things like that. And uh, in the end, I said, what'd you think about the movie? And he said, well, he liked it. He thought it was great, but uh, he said he, he didn't, he was he was disappointed and sad and upset that um, Snoke died. Well, we can do. We yeah, want to we talk about get that, to that, that in a minute. And he said Kylo Ren is not um, uh, a, he's not the right guy to lead the First Order because he's not evil enough. <laughs> so that's what he said. Dad, why is Kylo such a whiny bitch? No, no, really. Okay, so this is so I. I am curious as to how this movie is going to play. The Rotten Tomatoes numbers on this, I find mystifying. Here's, they, no, it, well, I'm going to explain. Can this. you explain because it to is, me? This because is, the audience yeah. reaction no. so here's, is like 55 right, right. or so something. If you, if you just look at the uh, Rotten Tomatoes score, the critic score is 93%. The mm. Rotten Tomatoes score is like 56% or wow. something like that. What has happened here, and this is very this is very strange, right? Usually what will happen is a, a franchise will get bad critical numbers and positive numbers from viewers. So look at Justice League, for instance. Justice League is like 35 or 40% fresh from Critic. critics and 80% fresh from audiences, right? Okay. What has happened here is that there has been a revolt on the Reddit 4chan type places where uh, they have flooded the the... Rotten Tomatoes vote with a bunch of negative zero star one star reviews, uh, and I I feel very comfortable saying this because the the Comscore uh, on so Comscore is a company that tracks people who actually went right, to so see like the an movie. A minus right. Uh, Cinema Score gave it an A A right. Comscore gave it a four out of five definite recommend. So I audiences are coming out of this movie and telling. The companies that track audiences who are actually in movies are reporting fantastically positive numbers for this film. The Rotten Tomatoes and IMDb scores are uh, subject to the vagaries of any internet poll, right. which is that they are not scientific and that they are they they have the they are able to be manipulated by a small but dedicated. I can't fan believe base. those guys on 4chan would mess with the integrity of the Rotten Tomatoes yeah. vote. So anyway, I mean, so have you no decency, well, I, sir? I have a I have I mean my my issue with this is it really a Rotten Tomatoes slash Fandango issue? Is that look, Fandango and Rotten Tomatoes have a very close relationship, right? Isn't Rotten Tomatoes basically owned by fan? I, 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 like, I don't know. But they, they, they all, they, all these companies, it would not be difficult for Rotten Tomatoes to put into place a requirement that to vote in the Rotten Tomatoes poll, you have to buy a ticket through Fandango. I don't think that would be too hard to do. And I think that would kind of cut down on this sort of thing. And you'd see less hyperventilating from uh, folks. We need to shut down Rotten Tomatoes till we figure out what the hell is going on. <laughs> Shut it down. I So the reason I asked Vic is, yeah. so I walked out of this with my kid, and I said, so what do you think of the movie? 
keep in mind when I tell you this story in his response, mm -hmm. I am not suggesting that my child has a sophisticated sense of cinema. Mm. I will remind you that he thought that Justice League was basically yeah. Citizen Kane. Yeah, right. Right. The greatest right. movie right. ever put to film. Whereas my son refuses to see it. He's anti-DC. So I said to him, so what'd you think? And he goes, I don't know. Like, the movie didn't make a lot of sense. And then there was just a lot of like running in place where nothing happened. Am I wrong, Dad? Wow. <laughs> there you go. Nailed it. Jeez. Yeah. If the nine-year-old, if the unsophisticated, and again, this is not because my kid is sophisticated, but if an unsophisticated nine-year-old viewer picks up on that, Surely everybody else is picking up on it at least subliminally. I no? would say I would say that I was surprised. So I wrote a very negative review of the Last Jedi for the Free Beacon, um, and ding, ding, ding. and I was waiting for a lot of pushback from people who were like, "No, this movie is the best movie ever. You were you're an idiot. You're wrong. Just shut off your brain and enjoy it." And I got some of that. I definitely. I mean, you get some of that on any of these movies. But I got a surprisingly large amount of people saying, holy crap, this is right. I like, you know, this kind of. Including, this, by the way, so including people in the office who told me not to tell you because yes. they don't need you to know. That. Yes. They don't want to let you know that you're right. People in our secretly very own office. I said, don't tell Shredders. somebody, but I think he's right. Uh, so Do you know anybody who liked it? Like, oh my God. No, 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 like, I, because this is literally true on Twitter, mm, email friends, mm -hmm, IRL mm -hmm. friends. I really feel like I don't I, know anybody who I, really enjoyed I am, the I am, movie. I am so hesitant to do this because it's it's such Kaleism. It's such like, I don't know anyone who didn't like. I'm sorry, Pauline Kale was right. Yeah, but like, <laughs> but, but, but I mean, I honestly, I, I, I know a few dedicated, uh, People from Twitter, mostly. Mm -hmm. Dedicated Star mm -hmm. Wars fanboys and girls who have been like, yeah, the movie was great and all the haters are wrong. They're just jelly and wrong. Mm -hmm. And you hear a lot of it from critics who are all Rian Johnson fanboys. The worst the worst thing about the reaction of this film has been all the Rian Johnson fanboys. Because they're just trying to save who the work, reputation who of work, Brick and Looper. Who work in the New York uh, media saying like, oh, no, this is great. And all the Star Wars fanboys who don't like it are idiots who are just, they just they want the same old, same old. They don't, they can't, they don't understand what a great filmmaker is doing here. And I'm like, I'm sorry. Rian Johnson has made a couple of nice movies, but like, uh, he's made three feature films, period, yeah. in his career. Yeah, and they're good. I mean, Brick is really good. Uh, pretty Looper's good, fine. I mean, he hasn't directed I'm a not feature a big in five years. This is a guy who it is clear was out of his depth. Wait a minute. Isn't, uh, wasn't Looper no, with am Chris, I not wrong? Wasn't Looper with Christian Haydenson? No. No, no, no. It's, it's no. Uh, Looper. Uh, Looper Joseph Gordon-Levitt. Bruce Willis and, Bruce and Joseph Gordon-Levitt. Oh. It's the time travel. Oh, yes. It's the movie What's that the is the mashup of Back to the Future yes. and The Terminator That's and right. Akira. That's right. That's, That's the right. movie that- No, I'm that thinking is. of the one where it's Christian Haydenson and- uh, uh, the other guy and uh, the, uh, uh, Jamie, uh, what's his name? And they could they could teloport instantly different places. Oh yeah, what yeah. Is that no, what I know called Looper? Jumpers, jumpers. Uh, is that it? Is that yeah. what? I think right. so. Yeah. No, but right. that's Hayden Christensen's not in that. No. You're thinking of like there's a heist film that. Oh no, I'm talking that, about like really. I think no, Hayden, Hayden Christensen did that jumper. Maybe movie. he is. I don't. Yeah, know. he is. I don't remember. Uh, okay, I have questions, and maybe you could help me. That's, that's how I did this. I don't have any deep Socratic thoughts. dialogue. What? Yes, Socratic yes. dialogue. Yes. Okay, so. Uh, let's see here. Uh, first question. I think you have to begin each one of these with question. 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 Well, we've established that from last episode. Question. What about the guy with the lapel pin? <laughs> Justin Thoreau. No, so this is it one of my It turns out there are two master no, thieves. It, it, this is my favorite stupid plot moment from the film. Right. Is it like Maz Kanata's like, there's only one person in the entire universe who can do this thing for you. And you've got to go to this one specific planet where he is. And he's going to be wearing the lapel pin. He's going to be gambling. You've got to find him. You've got to bring him back because he's the only one who can do it. He's the only one. I could do it, obviously, because I'm Maz Kanata and I'm great. But I've got this union dispute. That was actually, that made me laugh in the theaters. Uh, but I've got this union dispute. I can't handle it. But this, uh, this one guy, he's the only other guy in the whole universe that you can do it and also maybe the guy who you happen to get stuck in jail with in the in the in the basement of the also, casino so why that is that oh, guy yes. stuck in jail if he's the world's greatest escape artist why is he thief? just sitting there why is he sitting there he was what's taking what's a nap i don't understand he was taking a nap so uh, so the guy with the lapel pin who's playing like intergalactic craps or something uh what was his point? I mean, he would, Justin Thoreau, you said, is the actor's yeah. name? Yeah, he's, uh, he's just there. He So he. Uh, we are led to believe that he is the hacker that Mons Kanata yes, is talking about. Yes, yes, And then he is, but he's, he's, he's it doesn't matter. He's there for how long? Question. Question. How long was he on yes. Could the rebellion hire one of these two men to be their CIO? 
because it seems like they'd be very, very useful in a conflict against the First Order. That's a great idea. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You think these people who have no real moral uh, uh, qualms against backing one side versus the other. And who are so talented could command an enormous price on the market yeah. in terms of employment. Yeah. Do you know, what I, you know what I thought they were going to do to destroy Snoke's ship? I thought they were going to lo- load a virus onto the ship. Uh, and, uh, <laughs> a death's head virus. Yes. yes. When, when does the thief betray Finn and Rose? So this is, I, uh, I've seen, I, I saw the movie again. Because this was, he I did. saw it Bill twice. was right. He did. This is all a pose for you. So this <laughs> you is. You really loved it. This is, I, I was kind of curious about this because I thought it was kind of a plot hole as well. And there is, and I didn't notice it the first time because I was taking notes. But when uh, when Poe tells Finn and Ray that uh, uh, Admiral Effie Trinket is trying to get everybody <laughs> off the ships. the same thought. Everybody, the same thought. everybody off the ships in the transports, there's a cut to Benicio Del Toro's face where he hears them saying this. So like you can so and then he betrays them after they've been captured. Oh, after they've been captured. Right. Okay. Yeah. I see. Question. Yes. What are they holding in their hands? Several people have these gold things in their hands. The dice. What is that Those what? are the dice from the Millennium So, okay. So here's another mm-hmm. absurd plot mm-hmm. point. Uh Thank you. Luke holds the dice from the Millennium Falcon. He's like, "Oh, this were is they a, in this the is original a... Star Wars." Yes. Okay, because I, I remember I, George Lucas talking about I only having know. fuzzy dice hanging from there. Like it, he envisioned the yeah, Millennium yeah. Falcon like an American graffiti car, but I don't ever remember actually seeing they were. the golden Neither dice. Neither do I. They were, and I only know wow. this because I played the Star Wars collectible card game when I was a <laughs> younger individual, and that was a card Was that game. last year? It was like a luck card. That was last yes, year. Yes, well, six months ago. Uh, <laughs> it was a luck card you could play, and it was okay. like the- Okay, know. thank okay, you. Okay, so-, so uh, who I may had... still have that card in my parents' house somewhere. It'd be worth something. You could sell it on eBay. Uh, so, um, so Luke has the dice, and then somebody else has the dice. Well, no, so, so Luke sh- astral projects. Oh, Yes. And he's he uses got, his sling he's, ring. He's got ash. Yes, exactly. Right, like, yeah. like Doctor Strange. Basically, uh, he he astral projects, but he I guess also astral projects the dice, and they don't just disappear when he dies. They stay for a little bit so Kylo can see them. Yes, and then they fade away. Where where did he, Kylo last see the dice? I can't remember. It's like at the end of the film. Oh, as he's after, marching yes. through the base. I see. Okay. Uh, okay. Question: Was it necessary to have Maz? No. To, no. Absolutely. What was that? Okay. Absolutely. Will we ever know the origins of Snoke? Who? (laughs) The movie's already done with him. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. So I have have a bunch of questions about Snoke. Okay. Yeah, exactly. Uh, So Snoke fits in. I made a whole list of failed payoffs to the movie. Oh, and there are a bunch. And one of these is Snoke. Who is he? Is he a Sith? Did he create the First Order? What does he want? Does he predate Palpatine? Does he want order in the galaxy or something else? How did he reach out and corrupt young Kylo? And then he just dies, and we're on to the next thing. Yeah. Like, you just, yeah. You, okay. you just move. Right. So, so, so what's happening? Why so, do we care about Snoke then? So here is what I, I complain about this in my review. And the, the constant refrain from people is, oh, it doesn't matter. Palpatine didn't get much screen time and... Empire or Return of the Jedi. He was, but we knew what but, he wanted. But we knew what he was, and what he was was the heavy favorite against the underdog. Like mm-hmm. he's, he is the guy who's in charge. He's yeah. the guy who's in charge. He has created right. this empire. The whole point of the movie is to overthrow him. That mm-hmm. is like that is all the reason that you need. And there's even but a mention in, of Darth Sidious in the movie. Yeah, in the interregnum, in the interregnum between the end of Return of the Jedi and the Force Awakens, this insanely powerful person has arisen. He has reconstituted the Empire. He has turned uh, uh, Luke Skywalker's young Jedi factory against him. He's done all of these things, and then he's just dispatched in about five minutes of screen time? Yeah. I mean, literally five minutes of screen time. And nobody talks about him again. Nobody talks about him again. Why? I mean, like, I I just... he is he he serves the same sort of purpose of Palpatine in the sense that he is there to create the relationship between Rey and Kylo. Okay, I I can kind of understand that, but there is still a total there is a totally unpaid off idea mm-hmm. of Snoke, and a, it it makes his death weightless, and it makes us care less about what happens to Kylo and Rey. Yeah. Speaking of weightless, what about Carrie Fisher frozen in outer space? Carrie Poppins. So people she uses this the force, uh-huh. and suddenly it's okay. She can take exposure to the vacuum of space. Okay. For like three minutes. Yeah, okay. whatever. She just sat there. 
that was cool. really interesting when it looked, she reached it was it was awful dis- yes. awful zombie CGI uh Mary Poppins Carrie Fisher playing Leia and we need to we need to make look we this is a somber moment and I don't want this to come across as jokey or okay. disrespectful mm-hmm. of everyone involved but we need to note that this movie the trilogy that we are watching right now is designed to take off uh, a piece of the board from uh, our favorite p- characters from the original trilogy. So Han Solo comes off the board in The Force Awakens. Mm-hmm. Uh, Luke Skywalker comes off the board in this film. And the next film we assume is going to be Leia Organa's Swan Song. Now, obviously, this has been uh, Overtaken disrupted by, by Carrie Fisher's uh, death. If, and again, look, this is, I, I the, the, you have to deal with that in this movie. And having her shuffle off into the vacuum of space and die with this kind of beatific look on her face, she's kind of frozen in this moment of, of resistance, panic, and death and destruction, would have been a, would have been a fine send off. You also could have, and again, I want to be very sensitive here. You could have done the whole Grand Moff Tarkin zombie CGI thing and had her pilot the hyperspace missile Ooh, into, into Snoke's ship. Into Snoke's ship. Which have had her, no effect to Snoke's ship because the ship was fine and they just offloaded all the equipment they had. On. Yeah, and never mind. I'm sorry. Right, Go yeah, ahead. Yeah. Continue. Uh, but you could have had her. You could have sent her off that way, and that would have been emotionally resonant and would have given her the you know the. Pro- and instead, what they've done is they have they have I like. I, Maybe it will be a boon to the series because it will force them to jump ahead 20 years into the future in the next film. We won't or, get that lucky. Or 10 years into the future. And the opening scene is, you know, uh, the rebel, the resistance, the, the the last remnant of the resistance has amassed for Leia's funeral on some planet. And then the First Order shows up and they have to defend her funeral. Whatever. I, maybe they do that. I don't know. But, like, it, it has, it has, it it really kind of monkeys with I, I think what they're trying to do with these movies and uh, it feels it just feels like a missed narrative opportunity to create some sort of emotional resonance in this film there you talk about uh, payoffs failed payoffs right mm-hmm. there's also the premature payoff and that is uh, Kylo Ren and Ray fighting together on the same side against the Imperial Guards that feels like something that they should have saved for the last of the series instead it happened yeah. now along with the death of Snoke who again we only see for one and a half you know movies or so uh, unless they somehow find a way to stitch Snow back, Snoke back together. Can I give you the other three failed payoffs yeah, yeah, before we ahead. move on? Uh, so we leave Finn in a coma at the end of The Force Awakens where we are supposed to not know if he's going to live or die. And then here, he just wakes up on his own well, and immediately Princess, jumps into Princess action. Princess Leia, the same thing. Co- comas are very temporary in that world. But but again, what you're doing is you're, you're lowering the stakes for all future near-death experiences. Uh, Ray's parentage. We have been teased with the question of her parentage from the very first minute we meet her. Uh, the story makes a big deal that they're mysterious. They told her to stay put. She herself is obsessed with them. And then, oh, it turns out her parents are just nobody. Everything's fine. Wait. I'm going to I'm going mm-hmm. to disagree with this. I actually like this. I like the idea that she comes from nothing. And again, this if, if we are trying to end the Skywalker saga, we are trying to create a new blank slate for the Star Wars universe, the idea that she is a nobody is, I think, resonant in a in an important way, but it does totally, it undermines The Force Awakens, and it uh, makes all the people who said, well, of course Rey has super force powers. She's Vader's clone, or she's... The, Kenobi's relative. So, of course, she's not a Mary Sue, she's just powerful, because that's her bloodline. Well, obviously those people are could they they be, to look could, foolish. Could, could Kylo Ren have been lying to her? Well, They're not junkers. It's possible. But, possible. Yeah. Again, so I actually like the choice of her not having royal parentage. But again, as a storytelling matter, what they're doing is they're, you know, they're putting a gun and a knife and a garrot on the table in front of you and then just walking away from it, which it just violates every rule of storytelling. And then the wills of the Jedi. The wills are ah, these precious we didn't things. Get to that. Yes. They are so important. We have to have a whole place. And then Yoda's just like, yeah, let's blow them up. They're kind of boring anyway. I mean, I this I, that I, whole I, that I, whole again. They just over and over and over again. They build up a moment and then refuse to pay it off or do the opposite of it, 
which what this does is when you fail to pay off big questions that the story goes out of its way to raise, you are telling the audience not to care. That's what this movie does. And this is why I say Rian Johnson is out of his depth here. Or he is very explicitly trying to destroy the Star Wars mythos. Or that. I mean, I, I don't but think it's we, malpractice. Should, we should not we should not under understate the idea that he is very specifically trying to take everything that is kind of loved by Star Wars fans and, and just destroying it. Mm-hmm. The most subversive indie director ever. Yeah, I mean, totally. I, 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 <laughs> there's not I much mean, look, left. If you look at look at all right, for instance, they make a big deal about Maz Kanata finding Luke Skywalker's lightsaber in The Force Awakens, and where what is the last thing we see of 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 that lightsaber? Isn't it being destroyed, being torn in half? Hmm. Is that what she's holding? She's holding his lightsaber. Yeah, yeah, right. It's torn in half. That's, it's torn in it. half. Yeah. It's just destroyed. It's ripped right. asunder. Yeah. I guess. But what is the? I, I guess the lightsaber that Luke is using at the end is just some sort of astral projection lightsaber. Well, except I, I you've seen it twice. I've not. Does they make contact? Astral projector make contact remember. with Kylo's? I believe it does. It does. Well, so he's not even astral projecting. The physics he's really. The, the physics, real but the physics of this are very weird because, like, remember Kylo gets the water on his hand. Uh huh. Yeah. And they Yoda touch hands. can call forth. He can call forth. It, it is. Like, it's totally everything you think you it's knew totally about the incoherent. Jedi. It's totally incoherent. Is now different. All none of the rules make any none of the rules apply anymore everybody can do whatever My powers required of the story at that moment remember how it used to be that if you jumped to hyperspace nobody could track you and that was like your get out of jail free card do you remember yes. how when you were in hyperspace you <laughs> couldn't communicate with anybody which would have been very helpful as you were trying to get to Alderaan to be able to radio ahead and mm. discover that there's nobody on Alderaan to why talk to why was yes and now ahead. you can do ship to ship communication from light speed this is amazing no. And also, if you can do Jedi astral projection communication FaceTime stuff, why were Vader and the Emperor always using the special space hologram stuff? Yeah, right. I why mean, were they is, just talking? And I understand that people will say, people who like this movie, whoever they may be, will say, oh, you're just trying to pick it apart you're with plot holes. You're just nitpicking. You're nitpicking the space Here. fantasy wizard movie. I understand that. But here's what bothers me about these plot holes. Plot holes exist to serve movie logic. In a story where you need to go from point A to point B and the writers can't figure out how to get there, what they do is they use movie logic. And this means that when you start poking at it you know, a little bit, it comes apart. But it, you use movie logic for a narrative purpose. It is there so that you can tell your story. With these problems, these plot holes, they do not even serve the needs of the story. Finn and Rose don't need to talk to to Poe while they're in hyperspace. Poe can just say, we got to give them a chance to come through for us. Hang in there, everybody. That's it. You you don't need that conversation. And when you invite plot holes over and over, it's just like the failed payoffs. What you're doing is you're telling the audience not to care. You're saying, we don't even need to meet you halfway in this. You do all the heavy lifting because it's Star Wars, bro. We out. If... Sunny. Right? I mean, am I wrong? Here's a question. 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 If a ship fired at hyperspeed can take out an entire Empire fleet, why has this never been used before? Hmm. That's an interesting idea. I just I like look, what if you had like a giant base that could kill stars? What if you or what if you what if you death, what if you could like say star killer what base? if you could say buy a hyperdrive in the junkyard of some garbage desert planet on the outer rim? Right. And you could just strap it to anything. Like a suicide bomber. And you could just fire it into uh, a a Star Destroyer with thousands of people on it that costs billions of credits. That would be a really effective weapon. Don't you think that would be a good weapon to have and use at some point in your conflict? I have another question for you. Speaking, Can by ask, the way, speaking oh, of suicide bombers, uh, is this I how we get to the very, Casper Reef? No, I was going to get to, uh, it's coming up soon, but uh, I found it very problematic that the uh, suicide bomber at the beginning of the movie was Asian. The Asian bomber who crashes her plane. The kamikaze. Yeah. Mm. The kamikaze bomber. Rose's sister. Okay. Question. You know what? Problematic. Question. Why couldn't Rose's sister have been in this movie instead of Rose? <laughs> Question. 
What capitalist arms dealer designs a bomber that can only move at a top speed of 15 miles per hour? That seems like a weapon which isn't very useful. Are they all arms dealers gambling? Question. Yes. We have watched now 17 and a half hours of Star Wars in our lives. Collected, I mean, in terms of yeah, original yeah. narrative. Yeah, content. Yeah. Mm. Of that, roughly 16 hours have been consumed with spaceships flying, shooting at one another, jumping to hyperspace. To this point in those 16 hours, nobody has ever once mentioned fuel. Oh, Luke, oh I now. was actually wondering. Yeah, I was that actually was an interesting thing. Yeah. Luke's yes. X-wing fighter crossed galaxies yes. all by itself, mm-hmm. going from Tatooine mm-hmm. to, to Dan to Dagobah to Cloud City to wherever, and never needed to tank up. But here, all of a sudden, for the first time, the entire half half of the narrative conflict of the entire movie is driven by concerns about so, spaceship what, fuel. Is worried what, what, about AC Cowling's running out of gas. <laughs> Oh, back to O.J. Simpson. Wow. What? Well, no, it's, it is it is a movie that... So the, yeah. the fans are trying to have it yeah. both ways, right? Mm-hmm. They're saying, how dare you question this space fantasy movie? But also, like, look at all these sci-fi elements. We got fuel and laser. Here's a question. We're running question. out of fuel. We're running question. out of fuel. Yes. Question. Why are the laser bursts fired from the Star Destroyer lobbed in a... Par- par- Parabolic arc. Oh, because the gravity on the light mate mm. out in space, the gravity makes right. the light the yeah, light the, proton. It's gravity in the, the proton. The, my understanding is the photon. Something gravity. Um, you wouldn't want if you do straight parabolas. Line, curvature of space. That's it. Curvature right, of space. Cur- okay. Well, I believe in yeah. in the movie Interstellar, we learn. That space does curve the closer you get to a, a star or right. a black hole or something. Right, yeah. So maybe there this were, is actually hard sci-fi. What if, the, what if it was dark matter? There's just dark matter everywhere. They've got to curve it around the dark matter. What did you think of Laura question. Dern? What did you think of Laura Dern? One more question. Yeah, go ahead. One more science okay. nitpicky. Yeah, oh, yes. All right, so here's... So the ships are cloaked. The transport ships are cloaked. And that's the narrative purpose of why we need to get Benicio Del Toro onto Hux's ship, right? Is he needs to reveal that the ships are cloaked and that they're running away. Okay. Okay. We don't need it do, we don't need a 30 minute prequelish subplot to get there, but like that's the idea. That's why he needs to be there. So, if they're cloaked, why can Ray see them with her naked eye from Snoke's throne room? Hmm. That's a really good question. Maybe she just has better vision than everybody else too. Yeah. She's a it's Jedi. It's the midichlorians that, that let her yeah. see through cloaking. Can you see it. What did you think when you saw Laura Dern? I thought Effie Trinket. I thought, I mean, I, I thought Hunger Games character. Vice Admiral Yoga dress? <laughs> I, uh, here's I a believe question. Prana by the way, and question. By the way, Snoke also wears a gold tunic. Shouldn't he be a gold, black? A gold lame. Tuni- yes. Gold lame. A gold, he looks like he's, a Bond villain. No, he's dressed like a Bond villain. He's wearing, he's wearing a gold lame kimono. Yes, yes. He's wearing, yeah. a, he's literally wearing why? a kimono. Okay, why? Uh, question. W- yes, JVL. So we can communicate ship to ship while traveling faster than light, but we don't have ships that can pilot themselves. They need to have somebody standing behind to pilot them. To push the lever. Right. But big ships. Why the big ships. The big ships. Need that somebody. Vice Admiral Yoga Dress doesn't actually pilot the ship until it's time to... She just standing... I have to stand... I have to no. stay here to pilot the ship. But then she just stands around and hangs out. Question. She's not actually doing anything. Question. Why would you sacrifice your most important... Uh, military mind in this moment instead of say putting C3PO behind the the, the lever. Hmm. Oh dear. The odds of my survival are sorry. Uh question. How does BB eight get into the ATST? He takes the stairs. <laughs> <laughs> really? How does he roll himself up a ladder? <laughs> bounce? Does he bounce does he... into the sh- into, into the cockpit? Question: Why didn't the evil BB-8 call him out when they're being captured? Right, BB-9E. The is that his? BB-9E, is that who he? Yeah, yeah. Of course, so the BB-9E know like realizes mm-hmm. that yeah. they are mm-hmm. they are they are mm-hmm. rebels mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. he sees yeah. the fake he sees yeah. the trash can yes. on the BB-8. <laughs> Why wouldn't the evil BB-8 
get his get his uh, get his, yeah, get his him out because they were they were they were brothers in the same they went they went they went they went to the same yes. school yes, they went yes. to the same they droid both, school they both escaped the I'm excited I'm excited I'm excited for the expanded universe book about the BB9E where he goes through the whole uh he goes through his training and he's his life is saved by the BB8 and then he realizes he can't betray him in this final moment because this is another thing all these goddamn Star Wars nerds say to me is like oh you want all the backstory read the books F you. That's n- that your movie has failed. Your movie has <laughs> failed if I have to read a bunch of effing appendixes to explain what is happening in the film. Question. Yes. Since Jedi can astral project project and go places and interact with things, why didn't Yoda do that with the weird clone water planet in Attack of the Clones instead of <laughs> taking one of his most important Jedi warriors and t- sidelining him for an entire movie? To go and see if a clone army was being born. Oh, you mean this in seems uh, like being, Camino something? Yeah, something? El Camino, Camino mm-hmm. Prime, whatever. Yeah. This this seems like a really really valuable uh, tool. Also, question. Yes. If ghost Jedi who are dead can interact with the real world by like calling forth lightning to mm-hmm. destroy things, this would have been helpful at other points in the series. Yes. Yes. For instance, in. I don't know, Palpatine's Lit- throne room. Literally. Have Yoda call down lightning and destroy something. Literally every other movie that helpful. has ever been made about this. Yeah. Okay. Uh, question. Why does my back hurt? Have I not been getting enough sleep on this bed of mine? What's uh, going on? Casper. Casper is a sleep brand that continues to revolutionize its line of products to create an exceptionally comfortable sleep experience one night at a time. Casper mattresses provide all the support the human body needs in all the right places. After all, you spend one-third of your life sleeping, so you should be comfortable. Casper brand mattresses combine multiple supportive memory foams for a quality sleep surface with the right amounts of both sink and bounce. The breathable design helps you sleep cool and regulates your body temperature throughout the night. There are three mattress models available, the original Casper, the Wave, and the Essential. Casper is not just a mattress company. They offer a wide array of products to ensure an overall better sleep experience. Casper can offer such affordable prices because they cut out the middleman and sell directly to you, the consumer. With over 20,000 reviews and an average of 4.8 stars across Casper, Amazon, and Google, Casper is becoming the Internet's favorite mattress. Casper is designed and developed and assembled in the U.S. of A. They offer no hassle returns if you're not completely satisfied your Casper will be delivered right to your door in a small, how-did-they-do-that-sized box. They offer free shipping and returns in the U.S. and Canada. And you can be sure of your purchase with Casper's 100-night risk-free sleep-on-it trial. Now, we have a special offer for listeners of the Substandard. You can start sleeping ahead of the curve with Casper. Get $50 toward any mattress purchase by visiting casper.com slash substandard and using promo code substandard at checkout. That's casper.com slash substandard and use promo code substandard for $50 off any mattress. Terms and conditions may apply. Thank you, JVL. Uh, I do have one final question regarding this movie, and that is... How did Luke Skywalker die? Is it exhaustion, or did Kylo Ren manage to penetrate him? The man <laughs> inside me. It's a, <laughs> oh, it's an Arrested Development joke. It's a book. It's a great it's, book by Doctor right, Tobias Finke. Right. It yes. is. It is entirely unclear to me, and I. I'm not. I've seen it twice now, and he I'm touches, still not a hundred percent sure. He touches his side. He's like, ow. Well, be, it, the problem is we have no idea what the actual physics of this astral projection thing is. Obviously, you can take you can literally take matter from one person and give it to another, as we see again with the water. The drops, water, yes, and they can touch and mm-hmm. like there is. But I, I, it is it is not clear to me if he made a choice of his own free will to astral depart. Or if this is he was he was mortally wounded by Kylo Ren. I'm not. I just. I don't really know. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, do we have more Star Wars? Oh yeah. Thoughts? Okay. Yeah. Go for it. We haven't even talked about the Please. humor. Oh god. So. Oh yeah. Well, like humor, I well, like as Gene pointed out, uh, Mark Hamill is a Joker. Is cl- clearly Kathleen Kennedy saw Guardians of the Galaxy and said, you know what, we need some of that in this movie. Right, because this is Guardians of the Galaxy 
style humor. Now, this is not a complaint exactly, because I am not one of those people who says that, like, you know, every Star Wars movie needs to adhere to all of the styles that are ex- pre-exist in the Star Wars canon. I don't believe that. In fact, I, I believe the opposite. And the Star Wars movies have always been funny. They've been funny, funny but different kinds of funny. Yes, they've been organically funny. Mm-hmm. Right. And these are sort of fourth wall breaking funny. These, From the very beginning, right. when these are, these are shoddy sitcom jokes. When, when the po, whole the whole Hux, Hux po, and Poe, your mom, the whole Hux Poe conference. It's not even like there. There's a similar kind of moment at the start of the Force Awakens when Poe is says to to Kylo, you know. Do you go first? Do I go first? Right. But that feels that feels again. It feels or, right organic. and organic in the moment. This feels like shtick from the Big Bang Theory, where they're doing they're doing <laughs> what what uh, Americans in 2017 do on conference calls. I've never seen a phone on uh, uh, a starship. In fairness. I believe if you go back to the original Star Wars A New Hope, in the conference table scene where they are all sitting clearly on surplus chairs from Staples, <laughs> yes. there Think may the be a conference phone in the middle. Oh, that, that little that little black thing like yeah, very possible thing, that that's a, a conference phone. But no, but like, but the Wars point universe. is like, he is doing he is doing very like era specific shtick, and it's weird. I'm nice men is funny. Oh my gosh great line right i mean this is what yeah. i say there there is high level wordplay in star wars which gives humor and makes things how funny. are you this is as you say sitcom stuff and Shaky. it's like that's it but it does read to me as an attempt at guardians of the galaxy no i, am I, I don't wrong, even do i think? don't even know if it's that i just think that rian johnson doesn't understand or doesn't care about the humor, but but I don't think that's right either because there is humor in the film that works well. The Porgs, for instance, which had been like targeted as an object of derision ahead of time, actually I think work very well within yes. the context of the. They're not characters; they're just right. they're like tribbles almost. It's not. They are, it's they not, are tribbles. They, I mean, they're but they're but they are but they are like it's not are, it's not Jar Jar. It's Binks. a setting. Right. It's, they they are setting. They are they yeah, are yeah, like yeah, added yeah, bits. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The Jedi nuns are my favorite thing in this movie. Maybe. Like the put upon Jedi nuns who are angry that they have to put together mm-hmm. the houses that mm-hmm. these these asshole Jedi mm-hmm. keep destroying, like that's actually funny and actual good Star Wars humor. Yeah, I would agree. And I I the fact I don't, that I don't the think fact they that were they CGI'd felt, either. I think the the nuns they the looked nuns like they looked were practical. Puppety. Yeah, the yeah, nuns looked yeah. practical. The the porg were definitely CGI. Yeah, yeah, yeah. but the but like those are things that like they work. They work within the universe of Star Wars. And like all these, again, all these effing people who are like, oh, well, you just don't like it because it's different. Well, no, look, if you want to make a different space opera movie, we've got that. We've got Guardians of the Galaxy. You can make other. But if you want to say like this Star Wars movie isn't like Star Wars and that's a good thing, that's wrong. That's just, I'm sorry, that's objectively wrong. If you want to make a Star Wars movie, it should feel like the other Star Wars movies. And I don't feel like an outraged fanboy saying this because I like a lot of the things that they do that are different here. I like the disillusionment of Luke. I like the idea of Luke as this hermit who is angry, who has failed, who has failed repeatedly over and over and over again. And he realizes his life is a disaster. His life is a waste. His whole mission has been wrong. He has brought ruin to the galaxy. I, the, I totally agree. I love all that stuff. I think it's great. I think it's. I think this idea that the Jedi Order needs to end is a good one. And this is why I don't mind the Yoda stuff. Like aside from the lightning striking, you know, whatever. Like I don't mind Yoda being like end the Jedi Master, whatever nonsense he says. Uh, I, I think that's like it's an idea. It's a it's a way to move the story. Yeah, I, I would forward. agree with that. I would agree and, with that. And 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 so you know there are people who are complaining like, oh, I can't believe. Luke would do all these things. Why? Well, like, I can believe it. His life's a his life's a mess. His life is a total dis- mess and disaster, and it is not unreasonable that he would uh, uh, feel like a failure. Everything in his life since Death Star Two blew up when he was thirty five years old has been bad. Yeah. Right. I mean, the, the the galaxy is not the Wonderland he had hoped it would be. He failed at setting up a new Jedi Academy. He has trained. He has he trained, trained a new generation godson, of Sith. Essentially, right. And lost his godson after trying to kill him. I mean, yeah. Yes. So, uh, well, and 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 do we believe Kylo or Luke 
version, Luke's version of the, oh, no, I had the saber, but uh, I was trying to kill, but then I changed my mind. Or Kylo's version, which was he was trying to kill me, right? There's two. They both said, did he tell you what happened? Well, Luke, oh, he didn't Luke tell you what lied. Happened. Luke lied the first time, and he admits he lied. Right. I mean, I think the, the synthesis of the two versions that Luke yeah, offers. Yeah, Kylo's is correct from his point of yeah. view, yes. and yeah. Luke's is correct from the his. only they can dialogue, then it would have been. <laughs> so can I, can I read one more? This is a small thing. But it is, again, indicative to me of a movie that is compromised in every level. Yes, JV. When we are on Hoth, not Hoth at the end, a rebel salt. commander comes salt out. Planet. He reaches down and touches the white, licks it, and then says salt. Mm-hmm. This line exists to counter fan criticism. That it was like Hoth. That it was just like yeah. Hoth. Literally, there's Literally the only reason no that reason yeah. to have yeah. this line in there, except that they think somebody is going to complain that, oh, they're just doing another white planet battle just like yeah. Hoth again, and they want to say, no, salt, no, not snow. Totally different. And uh, the, uh, It's unnecessary. Can I, 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 have a, I have a whole series of complaints about this, but they can be summed up in one about 15-second stretch. Sorry. Where... Ray comes in on the Millennium Falcon on the salt planet and she's blasting away the lasers and she yells to Chewie, we need to draw the fighters off. And yes. then she comes in blasting and draws the fighters off. Yes. And then Poe Dameron says, she's drawing all the fighters off. We have been given the same piece of information three times. And it's so unnecessary and so sloppy that I'm like I I'm kind of baffled by it. I don't. Do they think we're stupid? Do they do they think we need this over and over and over again? No. I, this is why I say my I opened with this. I believe Rian Johnson is is has was overmatched by this project, and what resulted is an indie director who has never worked with a budget of more than twenty five million dollars, who simply could not handle the demands of what this project requires mm. at any level at the mm. script level at the production level or the editing level and i'm sure this is not i'm sure he's a great guy i actually like some of his other work this is, I, but just it was a bad bad fit for the job he probably shouldn't have taken his job they shouldn't have given the job to him and to the extent that this movie is a cavalcade of failures all of them go to him because the script is him and the direction is him mm-hmm. is it a love triangle or a love pentagon between uh, Ray, you and forgot question. Question: Is it between Ray and Finn and Rose and Kylo and Poe Dameron? What's happening here? There's only one way this ends. Uh, episode nine. Ray and Rose. Uh, no. Kylo and Finn. Ray and Rose. Finn and Poe. Well, Finn and Poe. Obviously, <laughs> obviously, they have like obviously. a tryst. But no, they realize it's like a bro- they're, they already have a bromance. Their love so. won't be accepted by the rest of the resistance, so they have so, to settle good. for. Yeah, on a forbidden planet. Okay. <laughs> uh, do we have any more Star Wars thoughts? We'll probably bring back Star Wars more. There'll probably be more reaction How? in the episode we do without you. <laughs> Maybe we can bring oh, Kristen Soltis Anderson. She didn't seem to like KSA. it either. So Kristen, so Kristen emails yeah. me uh, at like one in the morning on Thursday. Hey now. And her email is, I hope you enjoy seeing Harry Potter and the Curse of Battlestar Galactica. <laughs> That's fantastic. That's fantastic. One hundred percent. Yeah, that's accurate. That's fantastic. I mean, it really is that Battlestar Galactic episode where they're like, kind of, they're slowly running away, and where they're tracked it, through like, hyperspace. Yeah. Right. This is episode two of Battlestar mm-hmm. Galactic. Mm-hmm. Season one, episode two. Here's thirty three minutes. We, or can something I? Can I they... suggest? All right. So I've already suggested a Leia fix. To, f- I mean, because mm-hmm. we need a Leia fix. Because sure do. Um, can I suggest one small fix for the thief slash hacker sub- subplot? Sure. So, if you look back to Empire Strikes Back, you have essentially three plot lines, like two main plot lines and one small plot line, right? You have Luke and his training, you have Han and Leia trying to get away, and then you have Darth Vader kind of tracking them and trying to figure out where everybody is. In this movie, you have four subplots. You have the small one with Kylo trying to figure out where everybody is. But then you have Rey and you have uh, uh, Poe in the fleet and then you have Finn and Rose. And so I, I I think that your your description of from earlier is a little bit off insofar as I think we have three different main 
things and then one kind of sub thing tying them all. So instead of having the whole Finn and Rose subplot, let's take that off the board. And when Finn meets Rose, instead of uh, uh, him and her going off on an adventure, she just takes him to a brig where the thief is who has been arrested for doing something underhanded earlier. And he convinces them, the thief, the Benicio Del Toro character, convinces them that he can get them onto the other ship, that he's got the power to do this, he's got the skill. And when he gets there, it turns out that he had a tracking device all along. And that's how they were tracking them through hyperspace. That's good, but I could go you one better. Okay. Finn dies. And so... What we do is we begin with upping the stakes by realizing that, holy crap, beloved characters that they're telling us that we should care about could die at any minute, and then we don't have to have Rose, or the thief, or any of it. I, 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 am, I am totally on board with Finn We dying. skip the tracking, and we just say the fleet is running out of—the fleet was trying to flee, but they didn't have enough fuel to jump to hyperspace. Here's a uh, second idea that I have. Idea! On, on how to—idea! <laughs> on how to pr- suggestion this. Um, I hated the Finn and Rose subplot the whole movie until right at the end where it looks like Finn is going to sacrifice yes. himself. I thought, He's okay, good. Sac- I, could, I, could, I, I could buy I could this. Feel, I could feel the emotions welling yeah. up in me. And He's going to melt away. Thank God. Thank God Rian Johnson saved us from that by having F- Rose crash into his ship and save both of them. I was so close to feeling something about those characters. Yeah. And now I wonder that she I worry that she may not make it because she looks like she's in again Oh wait a minute. The, she going lives. back to the same well again with hey, here's a character that you're supposed to care about but you don't care about and maybe she's dead. I don't know. No. He he's going to die. She bumps him off. Then you think she's going to die. Oh no, she's okay. she's going to make it too because everybody seems to make it. Uh, so everything's great. I'm sure it's fine. Okay. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> it's not the end of the show. Okay. Let's All right. Should we? Should we move yeah, on? Move on. That's an hour. That's that an was, hour. That it's good. Good. Good show. Hour. Well, let's let's skip everything. I know people wanted us to do, or other people talked about Christmas themed things, worst songs ever, blah blah blah. But you know, I think that's already been resolved. We don't have time for that. The expanded, no time for the that. expanded universes resolve that. I'm just going to say one thing to the the expanded universe, which is, all I want for Christmas is my tooth front. Teeth by Spike Jones and the City Slickers. Go check YouTube. I dare you to listen to the whole song from beginning to end. It is the worst song ever. Okay. That is the worst. No one denies this. Oh, really? You know what I'm talking about? He does the kid's voice. Oh, I'm missing my teeth. It's the most awful thing ever. Okay. I have no idea what you're talking about. Oh, I dare you. Royalties for that piece of garbage. There is somewhere, there is a sole heir of the Jones estate who every year cashes a a check for $35,000 in royalties to come from that thing. Because if you want to get rich in the world, just to make a Christmas song that becomes moderately popular and it's like an annuity. Yeah. For forever. 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 Um, Okay. A spirit of the week. This is exciting. Uh, is old forester statesman as we mentioned, as we haven't mentioned yet, as we might mentioned in Facebook Live. No, I, I mentioned it earlier in the show. Oh, oh, good. Yeah. Uh, from our uh, friends in the substandard expanded universe, uh, Tom Abella and friends uh, have given us this wonderful bottle. Uh, thank you very much for listening uh, to us this this past year. Uh, we've. That was uh, we've made it through a year. One year. Mm-hmm. I don't. Well, do you think there are going to be any nope. 2018 episodes, no. Vic? I don't think so. But I wish you luck. Uh, corrections, additions, anything? No, nothing. I have nothing either. Okay, good. That's all the time we're going to give to this episode. Questions, comments, complaints, compliments, questions. Tweet us at Victorina Mattis at Sunny Bunch at JV Last. Again, be sure to subscribe to us on iTunes or Google Play. Just type in Substandard or Podcast. We're there. Leave a review. Uh, so uh, let's try to break 500 so maybe the rabbit can stop bothering us because they're tormenting us. Tell your friends. Merry Christmas. Happy Hanukkah. See you next year. Maybe. Did you already tell on our show 
your Benicio del Toro experience? Have we discussed this? I on, feel like we have at some point. I don't when you see him, do you immediately think back no, I to feel your ba- intimate moment with him? I feel bad about that. Uh, Oya Bell. Uh, look, if you, if we haven't discussed, I don't this think I've ever heard before, this. <laughs> I interviewed Benicio del Toro for the Che tour, and okay. I, I came with a bunch of questions about Che. Questions. <gasps> Che, the, the, you know. So you went full Veritas. I went, I mean, look, I didn't, I did not know. It was not an ambush. It was just a, it was like an interview. Did you say question with each one? No. That would have been so hot. I, I, look, I, I don't like ambushing actors because I don't think actors are like necessarily responsible for the movies that they're in. They're just actors. But he was a producer on the film. It wouldn't have been made without him. And I wanted to talk to him about, like, look, Che is, Che Guevara, not a good guy. And the lionization and kind of deification of Che, I think, is like one of the more grotesque aspects of modern liberalism. Fine. Um, it didn't go well. He walked out of the interview. He, he And the interview took place, the interview took place at a party at Oyamel. And, and he was, who was the chef? And Jose Andres is there. He like comes over with like guacamole for the two of us. And he's like, hey. <laughs> anyway, it was, it was. Um, is it that was, the only time somebody's walked out of an interview with you? Oh yeah. Cause I'm not, a, I'm not a Mike Wallace. I'm not there asking the tough questions. Usually this was a special occasion. Cause I feel, I feel like, look, uh, uh, as somebody who is a big fan of um, uh, uh, Valladares and other, Cuban exiles. I like. I I feel a certain responsibility to like actually discuss what what the Cuban Revolution meant, and this this absurd, you know, Che thing was. Anyway, and, and long how did you, story how, yes, short, and, and how did long you realize he, he just walked up in front of you and left? Or no, he was just like, uh, this is this is over. This I'm leaving. I can't remember. I I would have to read the story again. He was I'll like, flip it I flip it. <laughs> If you flip it, and uh, no, but I, I felt really bad because I actually oh, come on. I a like, little something for that. Yeah, for usual suspects, very good. I love Benicio del Toro as an actor. I think he's very talented. I thought he was good in this movie. I thought he was better than you clearly thought, JBL. Uh, but I, but it was yeah. No, I do every time I see him now. I'm like, ah. What happened in the restaurant? What did they say to you? They like they brought food out and everything. And oh, well, like, no, the well the the uh, the publicist the publicist I was who had like set up the thing came over to me after he left and she said uh, the party hosts have asked me to leave. <laughs> they wouldn't ask me to leave because I was the journalist, but they asked her to leave, and I felt I felt so bad about it. I just like I, like anyway. It's 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 on the internet. If you just Google Sunny Bunch and Benicio del Toro and of the interview, no, 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 no. Oh, I'm sure it's fine. 